0: state review rankings for week one in the cfp and let the arguing begin all that and more next on dot in the eye with davis and Che. What's up, Hawkeye Nation, and welcome to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. This is episode 31, and we are at an exciting point in the season here. Just coming off a fresh win, 33-24 over Penn State, and this week it's Christmas morning here in America for football fans as this season's first CFP ranking finally came out. And, dude, I am pumped to talk about it. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I definitely think that the committee um, got a few things right. I think some of the things they did are questionable at best. Um, But we're going to dive into that later. But the the first thing we definitely need to talk about is I want to talk about this Penn State game. So obviously we come into this game as an 18-point favorite. And kind of from early on in the game, it felt like it was going to be another one of those Ohio State-Penn State games where it was going to be – Unnervingly close. Um, we had a handful of things not go our way during that game But at the end of the day, we still pulled out a nine-point win So I kind of want to hear your reaction uh, On this uh, nine-point win first
0: Well, I gotta say that, um, you know as we always talk about man, you know the big Ten's tough this time of year Okay, and especially on the east side of the bracket, you know There's a lot of good teams and penn state's got a really good defense I will say that I felt like Penn State was prepared for us. I do. It kind of makes me think maybe they were looking a little bit ahead um, of Illinois, um, anticipating playing us, because I felt like defensively they really had a good game plan against the run, uh, at least in the first half. Uh, it really worked out well for them. Um, I will say that it was a good game. I don't think that like it was too terrible on any one aspect of the game. I do not agree with some of the red zone issues and the play calls, um, and uh, honestly, personnel. Um, In the red zone and dude, just way 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 too many penalties way too many penalties There was a lot of positive things that happened in this game as well Um, You know, we had Henderson ended up getting his yards, you know, whether or not he got stuffed in the first half or not and uh, CJ was pretty much as advertised to be honest uh, and Jigba kind of Continued his little streak here of uh, six seven catches every time just like uh, Wilson and dude We had a scoop and score dude good. It's always good to see a fat guy run
1: big man yeah, it was funny. I was watching that thing in slow motion, and I thought they were playing it in real time. But <laughs> dude, I was listen, dying. Did you hey, see he him moved, fanning listen, him on the sideline? Oh god, it was classic. I mean, they were yeah. like pouring water bottle down his back and airing him out and everything. It was awesome. And I think that's kind of where I want to start first. I mean, obviously the offense, we got a handful of things to talk about, but I want to talk about that defense. Um, the only knock I'm really going to give the defense. is And I don't even know if it's necessarily the player issue, but I did not like the fact that early on they were picking apart the zone and we did not change from that. Um, We definitely made some good adjustments in game, um, which you can definitely see on the offensive side of the ball. But on defense, um, the one thing I just could, I've kept scratching my head is why we continue to play zone? Like if we're not getting any pressure on Sean Clifford, he's picking apart that zone like he's playing a seven on seven.
0: Dude, he played the game of his life out there. Yeah, he, 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 he looked good. It, it, yeah, he looked good,
1: and he definitely looked a lot healthier than we probably thought he was going to be coming into this game. Because, listen, people don't realize Penn State's better than their 20 ranking. And I know they're not even ranked now, but they're a better team than that. They're a top 25 team still in my, in my head. If you think about it, their first loss was at Iowa when they were dominating that game, and then Sean Clifford gets hurt, comes out, and Iowa comes back, wins by three. Then, like you said, probably looking ahead, Sean Clifford not a hundred percent playing against Illinois, and then just couldn't even convert a two point conversion in seven different overtimes and end up losing a stinker, but still could have easily pulled that game out. So you're talking two losses with not a healthy quarterback by a total of five points. And then we get them when Sean Clifford apparently looks like he got a like a ton of steroid shots, like Justin Fields in the tent last year. Um in the Clemson game, just got that shot, came right back out, and he was good to go, right? I'm sorry, but Penn State, in my eyes, is a much better football team than people give him credit for, and it showed on the field. It's why we struggled to score in the red zone, and it's kind of why you know Sean Clifford, he, he's a gamer, man. I mean, Penn State, over the last handful of years, they've had quality quarterbacks. The problem is they just can't get it all going together and can't get over the hump against Ohio State. So I am probably still one of the few But I'm viewing this nine-point win as a quality win. I'll put it like this. Was
0: it a quality win? Yeah, but we left a lot out there. We We left a ton out there. Yeah, we did. You know, I I think, you know, you and I talked about this during the game. There was two field goal situations, um, you know, which you and I kind of disagreed on some about whether you take those or not. That could be another six points. And like we talked about, man, all the interior runs that we did down in the red zone, especially in short yardage situations, I didn't understand the call. We kind of— kind of got away from running outside. We were running quite a bit of interior stuff that wasn't really working in short-yarded situations down in the red zone, and we kind of abandoned the outside run. And I felt personally like we didn't really have the right personnel running that ball down in those situations. I kind of thought that's more of a situation for Mayan Williams, a guy with stronger legs that can push that line a little bit in those short-yarded situations. So other than that, it was a good win. Yeah, it was. But, you know, the play calling was a little bit suspect, and... I'm going to harp on it again like I do every week. CJ Stroud had plenty of opportunities to pick up yardage where he didn't even have to take a hit and would not do it again. It's kind of hard to run option-type things when there is no option. Yeah, and I'll I'll give you that. Um,
1: I think he's almost not running at all to a fault. You know, I understand, and I I had even mentioned it before the game, I like that he doesn't run. I like he's not taking these extra hits. We're trying to keep him healthy. I think it's important we keep him healthy. But we're not asking him to run like JT Barrett, where he's going to constantly be taking hits, you know, 10, 15, 20 times a game. You know, we're asking for maybe a couple scrambles, maybe a couple of design runs where you set up that, you know, that option where, I mean... How many times did we see he's handing off the running back and everyone's keying in on the running back and he still hands it off anyways? if he keeps that ball, he's got 10 yards untouched. Then get, slide, get down. Or even if you get four yards, slide, get down. That sure as hell beats a no gain or a loss of a yard uh, rush by the running back.
0: There can't be 0% chance you run. Right. You, there's got
1: There's got to be that option there or he's got to learn how to read that.
0: Now, again, this may all be
1: coaching too where they tell him, listen, don't run that ball. It may look like an option, but you're handing
0: it off. That could be his instruction, for all we know. You know, it could be, but I can't see as smart of a guy as Ryan Day is that that would be what he's telling him to do. I I just can't see him doing that. Ryan Day's smarter than that. I mean, he knows more about—he probably forgot more about football than we'll ever know. Right. I I get that. I get that.
1: But I think— the one of the big factors now I think there's a bunch of factors that kind of ended up resulting in why we only won by nine I I still feel like we were the better team I definitely think that it was a lot more evenly matched early on I had a problem with the fact that we looked like we were getting beat on the line of scrimmage uh that first half we definitely turned that around in the second half and looked a lot better I'm having uh more of an issue with some of these little ticky tack things that kind of swayed the game a little bit it really I st- really started noticing it there at the end of the second quarter when we were up by um, 10, and they were driving, and we would bring pressure and get home almost until you'd see all of a sudden our blitzing cornerback or blitzing linebacker would be getting held, obviously. Almost getting almost tackled, tackled, tackled to the ground. Yeah, yeah, tackled to the ground, and because we couldn't get home, Sean Clifford just picked apart the zone and – Completed a pass, and they marched it down the field to get three right before half. And that was kind of a little bit of a momentum builder. Because if you recall, right after the you know, the halftime, they came right back out, marched right back down the field, and scored seven to tie it up. And it would have been a lot bigger of a deal if we're going into that 10 or even somehow got the ball back and maybe did something with it before the half. So that was an issue. Not to mention, uh, we kept one of their drives alive. It might even have been that first drive I'm thinking of in the second half. With two personal, two 15 yard penalty calls on their drive. One of them a late hit when literally it was like, you know, he threw it and the guy pushed him. And it didn't even look that egregious. they called the late hit. And then the other one, Sean Clifford's running and then slides right before Steel Chambers gets ready to tackle him. And of course, Steel Chambers sees him lower his body. So, in, you know, just a reaction, he lowers down and they call targeting. There's 30 free yards and two first downs we give him on two bang bang plays that. In my opinion, shouldn't have been called. Now I understand the um, targeting call, just because by the way the the rule is written, I guess that technically is. But that's bullcrap, man. I mean, he barely even went backwards, and like he immediately got up and like threw his arms up. Like that rule was intended to not knock someone out, to not injure someone. Like there's no way Steel Chambers was hurting him on that hit. He even kind of let up a little bit. He could have drove his butt straight
0: backwards and didn't do it. I agree. So, but the still still the thing that gets me, man, is I think in the last 0. 0.3 seconds of that play, he actually bent the crown of his helmet down more like as the last part of it was happening just before impact. Yeah, I think that's I just really believe to him lowering his level. I'm not saying why he, he did it and lowered his level. Yeah. I'm just saying that he did it and I think that's what triggers the call. That's what makes that an ejection instead of a penalty.
1: And that's a whole nother conversation we'll have for another day about the whole targeting crap that's going on in college. But
0: Oh, yeah, you are gone for hours on that.
1: But the whole point is all this little ticky-tack ref stuff that we've seen in there. I mean, not to mention people, you know, I know we had talked a lot in the game about why is Olave not getting the ball? Why is Olave not getting the ball? And i seen some footage from other angles, and Olave was getting held like almost every single play. You know, they were playing up on him, forcing him. He'd try to get out of a cut, and they'd grab his jersey. I mean, there's a few times we've even seen it, and they're not throwing any penalties. But yet, Denzel Burke barely touches a guy, and they throw the P.I. on him. Like, it really— Now, I don't ever like being that guy that complains about officiating, but there's no one on God's green earth that watched that game that didn't feel like that was a one-sided officiating call all game.
0: Yeah, but you know what? There's been a couple times that I can think of, Clemson, um, that we've had situations like this and where the NCAA has seen situations like this, but yet nothing is ever done. There is no reprimand. There is no recourse to try to fix the problem. So it's just like, okay, you just have to accept the fact that you got crappy refs, and I hate that.
1: Well, Ryan Day did say in his press conference today that they did highlight a bunch of plays and sent them in for review to the conference. Now, that doesn't change anything after the fact, but at least, you know, after watching tape and everything, they're well aware of the issues that were happening, too. And I can only imagine as a player how frustrating that is, knowing that you've beat your guy and you're getting held and nothing's being called. And so if it's not being called, what do you think the defense is going to continue to do? They're going to continue yeah. to hold, right? Absolutely. Or the offensive line. If you know, if you can get away with that play, hell, I'm going to do it the next play. Hell, I'm going to do it the next play. And the problem is that created more of a problem as the game went on. So then they kept doing it and kept doing it, and it continually didn't get called. But these are all things that added up to it. So if you want to combine our struggles in the red zone with some poor officiating calls, Um, one penalties that, um, killed our drives and extended their drives. And then we're still sitting here at the end of the day talking about a nine point win. I'm still taking this a lot more as a solid than I think a handful of other people are. You know, maybe, sure, instant reaction is I'm disappointed. I really wanted to beat them by more. I felt like we were that much better. But I think we might have taken them a little bit for granted seeing the last couple games they played, and then you mix all this stuff with it, and that's kind of the result we got. So I'm still
0: excited about the win, and I'm happy about it. But I think that's more along the lines of the fact because you broke it down. You saw every play. You saw every penalty more than one time. I know I did too. I watched them. So you know that the score is not really indicative of the way the game went. But from a bird's eye view, people on the outside, they're not seeing it that way. That's true. They're seeing a nine point victory.
1: Especially you know? those people in the CFP. I mean, they're not sitting there analyzing. I mean, there might be a few people in that committee that are really into it and really watch all these games, but you mentioned uh, you know off air when we talked that there's a handful of people in this committee that are not really the biggest football people. And they kind of maybe let some of the mainstream media and other people kind of do their thinking for them.
0: Yeah. I I completely agree, man. And you know, it's just I think that you have to consider anyone in the Big Ten at this time of year a good win. Um, like I said, I just I felt like we were just really sloppy, dude. Sloppy, sloppy all over the field. And yes, the the officiating did not help at all. It didn't. But I think Penn State came out with a great game playing defensively against us. I think Sean Clifford pay, played to his ceiling, and I think we just beat ourselves up. Mm-hmm. I mean you know i think all those things combined I, i'm just happy we came away with a win so let me ask you this then if you had to
1: give the i'll start with the defense if you had to give the defense a grade and i'm talking overall we can't pinpoint one point not the dbs not the linebacker everything i'm just saying overall defense what grade would you give him for the penn state
0: game i give him an a minus all day long Ronnie hickman was flying around had tackles all over the place we looked better now, how many I'm not sacks saying, did we get multiple sacks it's like three and a half maybe or four yeah um but I thought the defense looked great now was our scheme a little bit jacked up sometimes like you yeah. mentioned earlier I yes agree with but that. I don't blame that on the players uh-uh. Uh-uh. you know so uh, dude I give I I definitely I give him an a minus I'm close I'm B
1: plus Um, I think we're in the general range where we're seeing that improvement and I think that improvement stuck um, we still give out 24 points But again, I think that's a much better team than what the record shows and obviously what the ranking is So and plus it's a team. I mean people say it's not really rivalry we have our rivalry, but this has really probably been you know, the closest game of we play anyone in the big 10. So this realistically is kind of almost like a new rivalry in the big 10. I mean, it's definitely the one that feels like it's on the hook for who's going to win the big 10 East every year. I mean, if you think about it, who's won the big 10 East the last handful of years, it's been all Ohio state. And that one year it was Penn state.
0: Yeah. So what about the offense?
1: All right. I'll give my grade on the offense and I'll give it a, I'll give it a B minus. I think we moved the ball. I think we made some adjustments. Um, I don't think it was like a big complete failure like some people felt it was. I mean, I know that we're, we were averaging almost 50 points a game. We still scored 33 and struggled in the red zone. I think the majority of the points I'm taking off is just for that. We settled, what, four trips to the red zone to settled for nine points. Like, that's not good. I think if you change those around there, you're looking at potentially a difference of, what, 19 extra points. And you add 19 points to that, and then it's 42-24, and that looks a hell of a lot better, doesn't
0: it? Well, let me ask you this, though. Real quick, before you go on, you and I kind of talked about this before, because, you know, we've had this red zone conversation a few times since Ryan Day has taken over as head coach. Mm -hmm. So do you think that this is a coincidence or do you think this this red zone issue is a systematic issue?
1: I think it's a combination. Um, I'm not going to completely ignore the fact that this hasn't been a tiny bit of a pattern with Ryan Day against good teams. Uh, Definitely, he scores really well um when he's outside the red zone but once he gets inside the red zone it gets quality teams and the field kind of gets squeezed uh definitely some of the play calling has been safe at best I mean I think you still need to find a way to be creative to make space um inside the 20 because when you're going mano a mano like that you can't just run a basic run play or a basic little short pass play and expect it to be that successful because they can then pin their ears back and get to the ball quicker instead of having to worry about covering so much space over the top. So you got to be a little more creative. I mean, one thing that he did well, if you keep in mind the red zone trips that we had against Clemson last year and the CFP was you really utilize a lot of tight ends. And the tight end makes it hard, and that that's almost the free space that you have because you kind of use them as a blocker early. They leave their block, and then they go – Um downfield uncovered essentially or and there's not enough defensive backs and linebackers to cover it all You know just being creative like that So I definitely agree that I think there's some schematic issues on the offense when we're in the red zone that Need to be addressed, you know, it's not just red zone. It's red zone against quality teams now given you know, that's always going to be A statistic that's going to happen when you play a quality team in the red zone It's going to make it more difficult anyways, but like you mentioned, I mean, four trips in a red zone and nine points. that's not good. No,
0: dude, if I had to give the offense a grade, I would probably give it a B minus at this point, and that's based on the fact that it took us half a game to really get it together. I felt like, um shoot, I mean, in the when your wide receiver has more yards than Trayvon Henderson rushing the first half, um to me, that screams offensive line problems. So I looked at that and I just felt like we we looked kind of unsettled and and, and Penn State came to play with a good game plan. In the second half, like I said, you know, things changed a little bit. Uh, you know, and Trayvon broke a big, big run, like sixty-three yards or sixty eight yards, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Which is a big, big chunk of what he did. So we improved a little bit, but you know, I dude, I stay with the B minus and a little asterisk there. Um, I know we didn't ask about it, but I give the coaching in this game like a C plus.
1: I, I felt like see we, that
0: I felt like Ryan Day, like you mentioned, stayed really close to the vest, and I'm really kind of disappointed in some of the play calling situations. I, you know, i I just didn't understand them, like I said, but but it is what it is. I don't get paid millions of dollars to make those calls, so you know, but I still I give that about a c plus,
1: yeah. And before I move on, it was kind of on that point you said there was very interesting if you heard at the end of the game when they immediately went and interviewed Ryan Day on the field. Uh, His response to their question was something along the lines of, you know, this is not the way we saw this game playing out. I'm glad they're gritty and they tough and they fought it out. But, you know, that was really telling when he said this is not the way we saw it going, which means I think they underplayed how good they thought Penn State was or it seemed like they just were not prepared for struggling in the red zone like they did. And that's just something that I wasn't expecting him to say. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I guess well, the, I
0: dude, I think I'm interpreting that. Fact- I'm
1: interpreting that as a kind of a negative thing. Almost kind of like he,
0: he almost kind of showed his cards like, Hey, I got outcoached a little bit today. He did. And I'll tell you why, because you know, I watched a lot of Penn state film ahead of this, you know, when, when we were preparing for the Penn state pregame and coming down there and I hadn't watched a lot of Penn state, but I did. And I looked at their defensive scheme you know, and they're more like a four three, three five three kind of team. But they came out in this game and completely switched it up. I hadn't seen half of the looks they threw out, and I think that's part of what Ryan Day's talking about. All mm-hmm. the film that they'd studied on them, that was not indicative of what Penn State threw at us. They were prepared, dude. They were. Yeah. I will give them that. Yeah. So overall though, um,
1: I know that you're not as excited about the overall um I guess the way the win looked because this is now affecting rankings with a CFP that just came out. Um, my takeaway is still more on the positive, but um, I think let's go ahead and get into this CFP reveal because.
0: Give him, give um, him, a,
1: give him the top uh, eight, man. Uh, well, the top I'll, I'll do top 10 for you just because I know we kind of had, we kind of guessed at it a little bit, which really we were way off. I had two out of the 10, right? And you only had one, but. Okay, Georgia obviously number one, then surprisingly Alabama number two, Michigan State number three, Oregon four, OSU five, Cincinnati six, Michigan seven, Oklahoma eight, Wake Forest nine, and Notre Dame ten. So before we even get into any
0: details, what is your overall reaction to just seeing that list? There are three things that bother me. I'm not going to go into detail. I'll just tell you what three they are, and then you tell me if anything bothers you. Shoot. Alabama, number two, bothers me. Cincinnati, as low as they are, bothers me. And Oklahoma, as low as they are, bothers me as well.
1: Okay, so I don't know if I'm going to say bothers me. I definitely I agree the Alabama one bothers me. Um, I know part of that is just we dislike them. when We dislike the SEC in general, so it bothers us when they seem to get the benefit of the doubt. So it's partially personally motivated but also statistically which i'm going to talk about here in a minute i disagree with that um i'm going to also disagree with i hate to say it i'm going to disagree with the oklahoma one i guess it makes me happy to see that but i guess i would disagree with that realistically the rest i don't really have a problem with that's kind of my two big ones i don't have an issue with cincinnati being six and i'm sorry you know, I know AP has had them way up there, but if you really realistically look, I know they had some good wins against Notre Dame, against Indiana, who's proven to not be that great this year. Um, and they haven't lost, but the last few weeks, you know, against Navy and against um oh who was it, Tulane, they they didn't look that strong. And those are two teams that you would expect a number two or number three or a playoff team in general to be blowing those teams out. Yeah, but in, in that mean, respect, we didn't look that strong against Penn State. Yeah, but Penn State is a quality opponent. That's not Tulane,
0: okay? That's not native. You realize that Cincinnati has the number six defense in the entire country? Right. You realize that?
1: Right. So, you know, uh, some of it's all relative. Some of of it's all relative
0: against your opponents, too. I know. We're going to spend a lot of time, I'm sure, talking about Alabama and everybody else. So let's take like a 60-second blurb and talk about Cincinnati.
1: I'll tell you why
0: it bothers me. It's not that I feel like the ranking is undeserved, okay? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that the CFP has taken a stance by making this call. They have made a statement. They have made it in week one almost impossible for Cincinnati to have a way in. They've basically told Cincinnati, we don't care that you beat Notre Dame. We don't care that you're undefeated. We don't care if you win out. You're not getting in unless a bunch of other people lose. And, dude, that's heartbreaking. We've had this talk before with the little guys, and it's why we talk about all the CFP expansion all the time and how bad I want it to happen. Because of situations like this. So I'm supposed to sit in a guy's living room if I'm Luke Fickle and recruit him and tell him, man, guess what? You can come to Cincinnati and play football, but no matter what, even if you win all your games, even if you beat Notre Dame, it doesn't matter. You're not getting in unless everybody else screws up. I understand where you're coming from, and a big chunk of
1: me does agree with you. But at the end of the day, if you don't even pay attention to the AP rankings leading up to this, I mean, who realistically would have had Cincinnati at number two if you were just looking at all the teams in the country and you unbiasedly were just ranking them? Very few, if any, would maybe even have them in the top four. I mean, first of all, I'm looking this looking at this almost like I expected this to happen. And I think this is probably the highest a group of five team has even ever been ranked in the CFP, let alone the very first one. You know, most of the time the CFP keeps them hovered right around the eight, nine, ten area where they're not even on the doorstep and Cincinnati still has a glimmer of hope. So I think that's, if you really step back and think about it, I think they're still in a pretty decent position. I know a lot of people are thinking, you know, oh, the AP had a number two and then they dropped the number six, dude, take the AP rankings out for a second and tell me realistically, the games you've watched, is Cincinnati a top four team? Don't don't tell me anything about like deserving or anything because CFP has made it very apparent that they're not as big on deserving. They're
0: more on what they see, what they think is better. Well, let me ask you this, because this is the conversation I was having. So I look at the rankings and I know, dude, you're not supposed to do this till the end, really, but I'm I'm kind of doing this now. Okay, so I'm looking at this at this rankings and I'm going, okay, do I think Cincinnati can beat Georgia? No. Do I think they beat Alabama? No. Do I think they beat Michigan State? Probably not. Do I think they could beat Oregon? I think it would be a game. I think that would be a game. Do you think they could beat Ohio State? Hmm. I think it would be a game. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about a close game, dude. If Ohio State plays the way they played last week, beat themselves up like that. We're ripe for the picking on anybody in this top 10 list.
1: Well, that's that's anyone, though. If anyone has a game like that, they're ripe for the picking. I well, mean, if Georgia comes out and to be honest, dude, though, penalties,
0: Ohio State be has beat. been. Yeah, but you have to agree with this, dude, no matter what you think. Ohio State has been kind of the Jekyll and Hyde of teams this year. A little
1: bit. I agree with that. So I, mean, I think they're still of, young and learning, man. They're still young and learning. Now, yeah, but I know what you're going to you say. Young I, know, learning? I already knew you were going <laughs> to go there before I said it.
0: I was like, God knew you
1: almost over. I already knew you were going to say that, but listen, it is realistic, and I'm sorry, but with a young team, it is not just a few games and we settle in. There's still growth happening every day. There's still things that are going to need to be improved every day. Now, that's with any team, but most of these starters, these young kids, they, they've now played seven, eight you know, games, and... Some of these opponents that we had played in the in those uh, middle games there, you know, were not the strongest opponent where they could kind of do what they wanted at will. Now they're having to earn it a little bit
0: more, and it's kind of a different learning experience. You're right. But it, take this into account, okay? Not what we have going forward because we know that Ohio State's schedule has been kind of unloaded. Um, so we know that you know ours is coming, but today, as it sits today. Cincinnati has a better win than we do, and they're undefeated. Yeah. Technically, yeah. You know what I mean? That's why I think that basically the eye test, however you want to call it, put in quotes or whatever, is, is a lot of what's used in this thing. Dude, they're thinking, okay, like we don't think Cincinnati can beat Ohio State, so we're going to put Cincinnati behind. Because statistically, if you look at it, if you look at who has the better win, who has the better record, Cincinnati should be in front of OSU if you take it that way.
1: I think the criteria for picking teams in the CFP is the same thing as the criteria for targeting. Like it's not yeah, always that's, clear that's a cut. Point. It's very subjective at times. You could kick someone out of the game for a very questionable call and then someone else could really hurt someone and they could stay in the game. You know, it's just, it's really hard to gauge. And, you know, just like Ohio state's a brand and Alabama's a brand, right. And they, they, Typically, at least many people think we're going to get more to the benefit of the doubt. The same negative effect happens for any group that's in the group of five, like Cincinnati. No matter how good they are, the majority of their schedule is going to be against um, opponents that they should be beating every time. Right. And, you know, the quality of opponent that they're playing week in and week out, like it gets looked down upon. And it is unfortunate, I agree, because I'm someone that would love to see Cincinnati run it out and get a shot in the playoff. And it, in my opinion, unless you have multiple two-loss teams, it's not going to happen. And I agree. Of course, that's I, I the know. whole thing.
0: Why I, I I strongly believe that we need to go to at least an 18 playoff or more. I just want it to be fair because I don't think it's fair to make these kids play. Notre Dame to make these kids play all that if they're not going to get the same opportunities as Notre Dame. Like that's the way I feel about it. I don't know how you can recruit a kid to a school when he's not going to have a chance to play for, for anything. Yeah, but that's just, it's hard.
1: Yeah. But you know, they're, they're at the point now where they're getting a lot of notoriety and whether or not they have a shot for the playoffs, I know is one selling point, but another one is just getting more on the national stage. And if you can become a ranked team, You're, you know, just like Coastal Carolina, like Coastal Carolina is never going to have a shot ever to get in the college football playoff. I'm sorry, but they're a ranked team. So guess what? They're getting on TV a lot more and that's notoriety. So if you're a quality player, you can make a name for yourself and then boom, all of a sudden you can be a household name, especially with NIL NIL deals now. You know, that's a big selling point for these group of fives that I think is a bonus. So I don't think it's always just about, hey, it doesn't matter how good we do. We can't make CFP. There's still a lot more bonuses
0: with being a quality group of five team that's ranked. I'm just wired different, dude. I don't want to play checkers unless there's a winner. And I don't want to play football unless there's a chance that I'm going to win.
1: Well, you also got to understand, too, the majority of the people that are going to end up joining these teams are ones that these bigger D1 schools are probably not recruiting. It's not all of them, but a vast majority of them. that's why. You know, Ohio State has, what, 79, 80 percent of their entire football rosters four and five stars. You go down to Cincinnati, what's that number? Like 10
0: percent? That's why I'm saying that I think playoff expansion is so important because let's see. Let's find out. I agree. So, listen, let's go ahead and address before we get
1: to the big one. Let's address Oklahoma because I know that's something that you said bothered you. So why do you have an issue with Oklahoma being at eight?
0: I guess I guess bothered me was the wrong thing to use. I'm I'm just saying these are the shock three questionable. If that they're that low, Shocked yeah, that bit, I am a little bit shocked, dude. Because in the past, I mean, Oklahoma has been, you know, I don't know. Their how to br- say this. their br-
1: their brand names help them out.
0: There you the go. They got a good brand name. They've give they've gotten the benefit of the doubt in most cases, uh, in a favorable fa- fashion, and you know. At the end of the day, man, they're still an undefeated Oklahoma. Now I get it, dude. They haven't looked great this year. They've won by narrow margins of victory. Um, they their biggest win is to was at the time a 21 ranked Texas, who's now unranked. Um, but they do have you know a top 15 offense in the country, which is not unindicative of an Oklahoma team that we're used to. They're pretty much all gas and no breaks, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But. At the same point, man, I'm looking at it and, you know, it just seems kind of it seems a little odd, man, to put him behind a one loss Michigan, you know, who honestly doesn't have a ranked win at all. Right. And they're proven to be terrible against ranked
1: opponents. over I know you're not supposed to take anything past this year, but when they haven't won what. Like any top 15 teams on the road at all. Yeah, I mean that, they're they're they don't look good against ranked teams. Now they actually they look pretty good against Michigan State. And as a matter of fact, I guess one could even argue that they choked that game away because they kind of had it relatively in hand until they got um, Michigan State's Walker kind of run all over them there at the end of the game. But you know they I they, they guess... still put up 500 yards of offense. Yeah, you know, and, I and guess, that's and that's not a typical Michigan offense. So I think I think that team is trending in the right direction.
0: And I think that's kind of maybe what they're banking that more on. Well, to be honest, they do have one of the best losses right now. Um, I guess you could you could say that about Michigan.
1: Well, yeah, because um, technically they lost to the number three ranked team on the road by less than a touchdown.
0: Yeah. So I mean you could give them you could give them that, but at the end, you know, I always say this after people say stuff about uh, teams that are one-loss teams. They'll be like, blah, 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 blah. And I say, yeah, blah, 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 and you lost. And you lost. At the end of the day, like, Michigan lost. And Oklahoma's not. And I get it, dude. I, I get it. They don't think that uh, Oklahoma has the schedule to be up there. I understand that. They still have, like I said, a really good offense. And I get it. Michigan has a better uh, defense um, and a 24-ranked offense in the country. So maybe that's what's kind of swaying it a little bit like that. But I just was surprised to see an undefeated Power 5 conference, in quotations, team ranked eighth. Yeah, I mean, I understand it. I am still a
1: little bit surprised they're that low. But, I mean, if you look at their overall resume... It's been a weak schedule, and they've not looked good doing it. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the Florida State team from 2014 after they won the national title the year before with Jameis Winston in his second year. They kind of like barely skated through their season. They end up going unbeaten, but what did they do? They got the number four overall seed. I apologize. I I apologize. I apologize. They got the number three seed that year. And then what happened in the playoff? They got beat by, what, 30, 40 points against Oregon? The team that we turned around and beat by 21 in the national title. So,
0: I think what's going to be interesting is how do you think that this CFP committee is going to look at Oklahoma? They do have two ranked teams left. Now, they're not top 10, but they're top 15 teams
1: in, was it uh, Oklahoma? in Baylor well, and Oklahoma State. Yeah. They would have had three, but Iowa State
0: lost again. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> so, but nice little jab the there, deal? right? Nice little jab, a little uppercut. But, uh, Do you think that the CFP committee is going to see them differently if Oklahoma wins all the way out and has two more top 15 wins? Does that change the perception? Do you think?
1: I think honestly, at that point, it probably will. I don't think it's necessarily about their opponents, but there's no way you keep an unbeaten power five team out of the college football playoff. Right? Like that's almost going to be unheard of. I mean, it, it, I don't know. I'm just finding it really hard
0: to find that scenario in my head that if Oklahoma wins out, they don't get in. See, and that's kind of where I talk about, like, um, you know, we were talking about tonight at work is that these first week rankings set a precedent, dude. So, like, they put an Oklahoma, an undefeated Oklahoma, an 8-0 Oklahoma behind one, two, three, four one-loss teams. Mm-hmm. So, For them to go undefeated now, how can you say if these other teams, because they got a lot of people, you know, left on the schedule? We got Michigan, Michigan State, you know, um, Michigan State's got or got us left. Alabama's got Auburn. You know, there's there's a lot of ranked teams left. So how can you say if everybody else wins their games and Oklahoma wins all their games, they wouldn't be exactly where they are right now? Because you've already said that. Yeah, I
1: I don't know. Like I said, I, I. I find some of these rankings shocking. Like the big one that I want to talk about is Alabama being number two. And I took my time to do a little bit of homework on this one because I, listen, I don't have as much a problem with. like Oregon being ranked above us. Okay. And I get, I get where they're going with that because the head to head, right? Given we don't have as bad of a loss, but our loss is to them. So Relatively speaking, I can understand them keeping us above them head to head. They haven't looked particularly strong. Um, we've had a couple games where we weren't at our best, but I, I mean, I don't think it's any mistake that the general population thinks Ohio State is a better team than Oregon now. But that's not really my argument. My argument is that Alabama is above an unbeaten Michigan State team, and we're not. So, what they're doing there is they're essentially saying that Alabama is clearly the number two ranked team if they're putting them with a one loss against an unranked team at the time they played them. So, I went ahead and I kind of made me myself a little spreadsheet here. And I really wanted to com- kind of compare Alabama and Ohio State up to this point, right? And really see where this difference Hold is that, whoa, whoa, whoa. that this you committee made a is seeing. Spreadsheet? Yeah, on Excel. Like, you know, oh, I. Buddy. Oh, buddy. oh, absolutely. Oh, no, but not on Excel. Listen, dude, I got a <laughs> scratch piece of paper, man. I'm lucky. So you, if I drew, have any so you drew
0: a tic-tac-toe chart is what you're saying. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's a, it's a Venn
0: diagram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So give it to me, man. What's on this Venn All diagram? Right,
1: so obviously both teams are seven and one. Okay. So first thing I looked at was what is the overall record of the teams they've played, right? Just to kind of get a base of, you know, where are the teams that that, that you've played, and the overall record of the teams that Bama played is a total of 36 and 28. Ohio State's is 39 and 30, which are both at 56%. So that's a toss up right there. Now, the strength of schedule for Alabama is 15 uh, up to this point, and Ohio State is 38. So the games are, I guess, essentially a little bit tougher, but it's, a, you know, the records are still a similar result. So I'm kind of still leaving that up more to a coin flip, right? So then let's go ahead and look at the best win both teams has. The best win is Ole Miss, who was ranked 12th at the time when they played them, but they're currently 16th. Ohio State's best win at this point is against the number 20-ranked Penn State, who is now unranked. Now you have some people that want to argue that, oh, you got to go by the rankings they were when you played them. Some people want to go by, hey, it's the rankings where they're currently at now. I mean, either way, both teams that –
0: um, both best real wins, quick, which they're, do you they're think, ranked worse. Which do you think matters? Does it Honestly, matter more where you are when you, where they're ranked when you play them or where they end up?
1: Um, me personally, I think it's where they end up. But I think people, especially I've seen a lot in the SEC do this, is that they just try to paint that narrative, whatever fits their narrative best. You know, we'll, you'll hear them say, oh, well, they beat Miami. Well, Miami was ranked 14th when we played them but Miami's four and four. I mean, they're not even a ranked team. Like, you know, the, you can't count that as a good win, but then they want to turn around and say, oh, well, we, you know, lost to uh, Texas A&M, which I'm going to get to next. You know, the, the one loss comparing those, but now Texas A&M is what? Ranked 14th. I think I have so to agree they, because, you know, they just, they, they mix and match how they want to say what their wins and losses are. You know, you to to stick like, with one.
0: even, even like we were talking about before with uh, with Ohio State beating Penn State team that we thought was better um, on the field than they have been on paper. But nobody else will see that unless they win some games here and get ranked in the top 25 for the end of the season. Then it'll matter.
1: I still you know think I mean? Penn State can finish the season ranked and then it would make that look better. But, I mean, I just have an issue with people picking and choosing. But, anyways. Yeah, so continue on. So, of course, we're talking about the loss. They lost to Texas A&M by three. We lose to Oregon by seven. And it really should have been seven because we out in them in yards by over 100 yards. But we still lost to them. They were ranked 12th at the time we played them. They're now ranked fourth. So, that's looking like a much better loss than the Texas A&M one. Um... And then if you want to look overall teams that were ranked when they played, Emma played against three ranked teams and the ones that they played that are now ranked is three. We played against two ranked teams and the ones that are ranked now are two. So if you want to even go back to that Minnesota game that we struggled a little bit on the road with, they've snuck back up and they're inside the top 25 in the CFP and they're currently uh, first place in the West division. So that's looking like a much better win now. Now, of course, We're not sitting here bragging about Minnesota all night, are we? Because now they're ranked, but that just happens to be the case. So if that's the argument they want to go by, you know, we're relatively close. They've played three ranked teams and got three still in there. We played two and we still got two. Yeah. So then I broke it down by, okay, let's look at offense and defensive numbers then. Since we're still really close, like neck and neck, in my opinion. Right now, Ohio State leads in most of these categories. Ohio State is number one in yards at 547. Alabama is 10th at 494. We are first in points at 47.3. They're second with 45.9. So relatively close offensively. Defensively, I thought it was interesting. Now, they got us on this. They're ranked 13th, only giving up 308 yards a game, and we're 50th, giving up 355 yards per game. But they're ranked 31st, giving up 20.6 points per game, and we're 20th, only giving up 19.3. So even though we're giving up more yards, we're keeping them off the scoreboard a little bit better. And then the turnover margins, almost another coin flip, we're plus eight on the turnover margin, they're plus seven. I mean, so nowhere in here do I see a humongous difference that the CFP is claiming this to be. I mean, our average margin of victories and our wins is 28, theirs is 24. Like, it's almost neck and neck. I almost see these teams being very similar. Do you? Do you not see the same thing that I'm kind of seeing here?
0: Um, so I mean, the, that, the stats do you, don't lie. So I guess what the point I'm trying to get at is: Do you are you saying that you think that they're just similar teams as far as like where they should be in the rankings, or you think that we should be ranked right with them? I
1: think I think if they're moving them up, we should be up. And it's it's not that I think I'm okay with us being in the ranking where we're at. I really am because we still have everything in front of us if we win at our games. We're going to take out a team in front of us, and I don't think anyone behind us should be jumping us. Of course, that Oklahoma one is kind of interesting. If they went out and stay unbeaten, I don't know. But my issue is they clearly bump Alabama up thinking they're that much better. When realistically on paper, if you want to look at the statistics and even, you know, If you watch, you know, Ohio State looks like an electric team when they're clicking on all cylinders. I mean, just kind of, I guess Alabama can look the same, but I don't see much of a difference. I really don't. I'm going to put it
0: like this. I can make a case where Alabama should be fifth. I can make a case where they could be fourth. Because, dude, if you look at it, let's think about this just real quick. You went through all the stat lines for Alabama. Okay, but what we didn't talk about was Michigan State. Who has a who has a better win than Alabama and is undefeated in a Power Five conference? Right. Okay, they just beat Michigan. Okay, who's still who's ranked? Still in the a top. top man, who's top seven? They're a seventh-ranked team. Exactly, and they're undefeated. Okay, and they still have Ohio State left to play, and they still have a Big Ten championship game with uh, you know, Wisconsin and or Minnesota, whoever ends up winning that. Dude, then you come down, come down to Oregon who beat us when we were ranked number three or ranked number five now. Okay, so we're still in the top ten. They have a better win than Alabama. So my point is, dude, this, once again, here we are, and I want to point out something to you, okay? This is going to blow your mind. You ready? Mm -hmm. Who is the top-ranked zero-loss team right now? The top-ranked zero-loss team is Georgia, isn't it? Correct. From what conference? SEC. Okay. Who is the highest-ranked? one loss team sec alabama right sec who's yeah. the highest two loss team
1: uh guarantee it's an sec team i'm gonna guess auburn. Ole Miss. Is
0: it's
1: not old it's not ole miss
0: nope
1: oh auburn jumped them okay
0: yeah yeah and who's the highest three ranked team
1: mississippi um, state yeah that one came out of nowhere
0: yeah so <laughs> so what i'm saying is and by the way that stat was provided to me by somebody else by Chaz. Um, who who noticed that. And But it's a really good catch, dude.
1: Yeah, very
0: indicative. So it
1: would be, you know, not that they ever do this, but if you recall a lot of the times when they're doing, like the teams that are on the bubble for the NCAA basketball tournament, they'll take away the name, and they'll just show the resume. And they'll kind of pick and choose between that. They'll look at strength schedule. They'll look at quality wins, rank wins, worst losses against – what ranked number team, not necessarily specific teams, but just look at the numbers outright like that. And I can guarantee you, if they did that, you're not going to see all these SEC, SEC, I can't even talk SEC teams up there, and you're not going to see how some of these are, are panned out. I mean, I think Alabama is really getting by on their name, and I'm not saying that Ohio State's never been the beneficiary of that happening, but I really believe that the SEC is getting a lot of credit in a year where I'm not entirely sure they're the best conference in the country. I mean, I still think they're a really strong conference. They still may be close to the best, but it's not as dominant as it's been in years past. There's well, no way. Point. There's a lot more parity in it.
0: That's my point. So you're, t- you're telling me right now that the SEC is the hardest conference in the world, right? It has to be Georgia and Alabama are unequivocally better than everybody else in the country. But who's after that in the top eight? Three Big Ten teams, that's who. Three. Yeah, yeah. so it's it, it, it's, it's been clear that people have
1: favored the SEC and the Big Ten this year. The difference is I think the Big Ten statistically has looked better, statistically. Um, I think the SEC has kind of been beating each other up a little bit this year. But again, that goes to the whole narrative. Well, oh, well, you lose to an SEC team, that's a quality loss. Any Dude, SEC team you beat, it's a quality win. But Ohio State, God forbid, beats a tough Penn State team and, you know, in a tough matchup that we typically have every year by almost
0: double digits. And it's looked upon almost negatively. For those of you who don't believe in SEC bias and think that we're crazy for talking about it. If that stat that I just gave you about going down the resume of a one, a zero loss, one loss, two loss, and three loss team in the rankings doesn't blow your mind to make you, I, I don't know what you're looking at.
1: Yeah, I don't know I agree. I agree. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, the one thing we have going for us is: uh, Have you looked at the strength of schedule remaining? Um, Georgia's. I'm not sure what Georgia's is. I'm not even worried about it. But if we want to go back to that, Bama, OSU have no teams left to play. Alabama's other
0: than the SEC championship. Game. So here,
1: here's what Alabama's remaining strength of schedule is: 44th. Pretty, pretty weak.
0: Yeah, they got. You know what, they have nobody but Auburn, and then the championship game if they get there.
1: Yeah, you know what OSU's remaining strength of schedule is? No. fourth fourth number four so if they wanted because i think i even read on twitter one of the reasons why they claimed they put alabama up there was because their strength of schedule their strength of schedule is 15 ohio state's 38 i get it their strength of schedule is a little bit better but if they're going to hold that same thing true and if ohio state keeps winning and alabama keeps winning with the strength of schedule of four in the remaining games then that means ohio state should be jumping alabama would you not agree to that
0: I mean, they're not going to do it. Well, yes, I just I, I just went down the line
1: and showed how, how similar these two teams are in almost every aspect of their game, and Dude. they claim this is really a strength of schedule issue. So if that's the case, then Ohio State should be jumping Alabama
0: if they went out with this strength of schedule, regardless of how they look. Well, let me ask you this, because this is the question I really want to know, and everybody's like, oh, don't worry about it, Buckeye fans. You control your own destiny. You went out and you're in. Not necessarily. Not necessarily, dude. I'm sorry. Oregon is going to stay ahead of us for right now. They beat us head-to-head. For right now,
1: they'll stay ahead of us. But I think our remaining strength of schedule would allow for us to finally jump them. I think we realistically should have already jumped them just because statistically we are better than them. I mean, I understand the head-to-head, and I understand that's important, and they've made that clear. But I don't see how
0: we don't – if we went out, we don't climb over top of them. I'm going to tell you how. So if Oklahoma wins out, okay, and they have two more ranked teams in the last four weeks of the season and they blow them out, they will be an undefeated conference champion, power five. Okay. They're gonna they're gonna move up, dude. They're gonna move up. Michigan will have another loss. Michigan State will have a loss because of us if we win out. Okay. So we'll still have one loss. If Georgia plays Alabama. In the SEC championship game and Alabama beats Georgia but not by a lot how far do you think they fall
1: Well i i, th- I think both teams are getting in if Alabama wins that game the on- the only way you get one SEC team in is if Georgia wins that game even if okay. it's a close even if it's a close game you're not going to put a two loss Alabama team that didn't win the SEC above a one loss Big 10 above an undefeated
0: uh, Big 12 and right, what what i'm Not even above a one loss is- Pac 12 what I'm setting you up for is this: if that happens, so you agree, Alabama and Georgia are probably in if that happens, right? Uh, I know it's that. not even agree. I think that's a guarantee. Yeah, a guarantee. Okay, so now you're looking at you're looking at an Oregon team that has us beat head to head. You're looking at us with a one loss conference champion, and you're looking at an undefeated Power Five Oklahoma for two spots. For two spots. Mm-hmm. And then Cincinnati's still waiting in the wings there too. Yeah. I'm saying that while I do believe that we would get the nod there, I'm saying it's not as easy and as easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy as everybody's making it on Facebook. Right.
1: Not necessarily a
0: guarantee that people yeah. think it is.
1: And I'll, I'll partially agree to that. I mean, you have to have a lot of things line up perfectly for that issue to happen. Um, But, I mean, I'll be realistic. I don't— I, I don't see Alabama beating Georgia this year. I'll be, I hate to say it. I don't see anyone beating Georgia this year. I mean, I've I've had a chance to watch a handful of their games. Not the most excited with their offense, but that defense is so stupid good. Like, I mean, what have they given up? A total of five touchdowns all year, and they've played eight games. I mean, they're averaging giving up less than ten points
0: a game. Yeah, but let's let's put it this way. Let's not forget this now. The number one defense in the entire country is Wisconsin. Think about that. Think about what? Yards
1: per game? Overall. Although, I don't even know how they calculate that overall. But, I mean, let's be honest, though. I mean, Wisconsin's not the best team or the best defense. Well, they have no
0: offense. But my point is that they're not the best.
1: Wisconsin's a good defense. Don't get me wrong, but they're not the best. I'm sorry, Georgia. No, they're not. By far, is the best.
0: Yeah, but they have the 51 ranked offense in the in the country, dude. It's not right. that close. That, but that's it's the tough. thing.
1: So, but, and the other thing, too, is, you know, how many prolific offenses has Georgia even faced this year? I mean, Clemson obviously was a dud. They've been a dud well, that, this year. To me, that really depends on how good do you really think the SEC is. Well, that, too. I mean, it's all relative. Now, I still think, you know, even if you're not even playing the best team, still what Georgia's done this year on defense has been really good. It's
0: been almost historic what they've done it's up to true. this point. But hear it me really out. It really is. Real quick. Hear me out. Their two marquee wins are Auburn, Auburn, and UK.
1: I know. That's yeah, it. Those those are the two toughest teams they've played. But yeah, it's that's also, it. and I mean, if you really think about the UK game, they only won by sixteen. I mean, I say only sixteen. I mean, that's still a really quality win against a ranked opponent.
0: But my point you know, is, do I believe? Do I believe they're the best team in the country? I do. Do I believe they're beatable? Oh yeah. I, I I'm not saying they're not beatable. I'm just saying
1: that. I think this could possibly be Georgia's year. I think the only thing that, I mean, you're not going to rely upon your defense playing against Georgia because, you know, I don't think Georgia is going to put up a ton of points. The biggest thing is can you score? And they've not faced an offense that has probably even been in the top 50. Like, I, I haven't even looked up. I mean, Auburn's probably the best offensive team they played. It's true. And, and that same Auburn team lost to Penn State, who is now a three-loss team. So we want to keep going down that carousel. I mean, their best win is is against a team that couldn't even beat, what, the third-best team, fourth-best
0: team in our division? It's true. Yeah, so, exactly. And you know what? Honestly, um, I don't know who is – do you know who uh, Auburn's lost to? Not off the top of my head, no. I'd have to look it up, but I don't think – have to look. I think they're still in the hunt for the SEC championship game on their side of the bracket. So Auburn
1: has beaten LSU. They lost to Georgia. They beat Arkansas, and they beat Ole Miss. So they only have that one loss. So there is still potential that they could get to that Alabama game and beat them and have the tiebreaker to get into the SEC championship game.
0: Dude, and this is the kind of stuff I love to talk about, dude. Think about the scenarios from that. What if Auburn wins the SEC?
1: (laughs) With two losses? Yeah. God, I'll be honest. Wouldn't that be a mess? Yeah, because at that point, you'd have to take them over Georgia, but you can't leave Georgia out under the way that how dominant everyone thinks they've been. I mean, I I think it's a lock almost unless you're a three-loss team, which you can't.
0: Physically happen. I mean, Georgia's getting in on one side. It's going to be Alabama or Auburn on the other. Let me ask you this question because we had this argument at work and I want to get your take on it real quick. Say Georgia beats um, Alabama in the SEC championship game, but it's by a field goal. How far does Alabama drop and do they have a chance of getting in? They have a chance of
1: getting in if Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten, if Oregon doesn't win the Pac 12, and if Oklahoma loses somewhere down the line. But if you continue to have those things happen, you're not taking a two-loss Alabama team um, that doesn't win the SEC over these one-loss or unbeaten uh, conference champs. I mean, if you want to go back and look at the 2015 year when Ohio State, even though we squandered kind of that year around, we still had probably one of the best teams in the country that year. And we only had one loss, didn't get to the Big Ten championship game, and we were left out because the other teams above us All did good enough that they had good enough resumes to still stay above us.
0: Okay, here's even though we clearly,
1: even though we clearly were still one of the best four teams that year. In my, you know, and I don't even think it was, it was close. I mean, you look at the players on that team, Joey Bosa. um, uh, Gosh, I'm having a hard time tonight. But you know, there's a there's a handful of NFL players on that team that year, and the way we were left out, and it's all because of one loss. So you mean to tell me Alabama with two losses and not winning? with other teams above them with one loss or no losses and winning their conference that Alabama's not getting in with two losses. Well,
0: let me put you on this one then. Georgia wins out. Okay. Alabama loses a close game in the in the uh, SCC championship game to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Okay, Michigan State's obviously out cuz we would have to beat them to get in. Oregon keeps winning. Okay, so now you're you're at the end here. So now you've got Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, and either a two-loss Alabama or an undefeated Cincinnati who's getting in.
1: That's a good one. So, I don't think it'll we won't ever get to that because at some point Oklahoma will probably have something to say about that either with zero losses or one loss. Cuz I I think a better argument and a more realistic one might be what's up against a two-loss Alabama or a
0: one-loss Oklahoma. That one. Well, kinda. The Big 12. Dude, if I was Oklahoma right now or Cincinnati, I would feel stupid disrespect. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've, they've shot on both teams right now. So. But
1: I, I think I think our Oklahoma's is rightfully so, though, a little bit. I mean, they've not looked good this year. I mean, look what they did against Kansas. Like That it's one's almost
0: unforgettable. But when I look at this, you know what I see? I see that they think Cincinnati would beat Michigan and Oklahoma. That's the way I read it.
1: I mean, those would be good games. Both of them would be. I, I, I'll be honest. I'd love to see that Cincinnati, Michigan game. I think dude, that'd I'd be thought. that'd be a hell of a matchup. I think Cincinnati, Oklahoma would be a good game. I think it would too. I mean, I'd be excited about any of those matchups. And there's potential if they stay. But in you didn't the top. answer
0: my question. Two lost Alabama or undefeated Cincinnati. Who's getting in? I mean, my head's telling me Alabama. To be honest yeah, with is. you, and that's what I fear, dude. Everybody's like if Alabama loses again; they're out for sure. No, they're not. Well, I think they're out
1: for sure because I don't. The question is not whether or not it would be them or Cincinnati because you're going to have other teams in play that would jump them regardless if it would be Cincinnati. I don't see a scenario where it could be between Cincinnati and a two-loss Alabama. You don't? Well, I take it back. I was going to say you better look again. I mean, well, it just it depends. Like Ohio State would have to lose. Michigan State would have to lose. No, Ohio State would win, and they're in. I'm okay. Yeah, but I see what you're saying. I I think every day of the week it's got to be two loss. Alabama
0: has to be. I mean, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like when we talk about this stuff, and people are like, you know, people don't realize that stuff. They 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 see it in their head that they're like, oh, you know. There's not a scenario where x, y, and z can happen. There is a ton of scenarios, dude, and we go over this stuff every year, and it's fun, dude. It's what makes college football great to be able to talk about this stuff and be like, you know so and so beats so and so who's getting in like that's the fun of college football, dude. that's why I love this playoff system right i hate I hate how many people get in it, but I love the talking about it. no, but it's just a it, it's just you know the fact that I think dude, that at this point in the year. I know you're going to disagree with me. We've had this conversation already. It's not exactly who you beat; it's how you win right now, and I think that we've got to be very mindful of that going forward. Yeah, I mean, I I
1: partially agree with you. I think you know we're at that time of the year where, um, it especially with us, I don't think how we win is as important just because of the toughness of the schedule. But I think if you do have a weaker you know, finish to your schedule, like, uh, for example, um, what's one of those teams out there like Oregon, Oregon. I don't know if they're even playing another ranked team either because there's hardly any ranked teams in the pac 12 right now. Like they're really relying upon style points. I, I give them that. I don't think it's as important that Ohio state has style points because we're potentially playing, you know, the top five, top four team in there, another top 10 team, Um, you know, we have a tougher schedule that I think if we can get through that, regardless of if it's super clean or not, it's still going to give us the nod, especially if, you know, Oregon continues to not look good against unranked teams.
0: Seattle. No, man. Remember the big 10 championship game versus Wisconsin?
1: Yeah, but that was Why tough because we that, I, well, because LSU. Oh, I, I see your ta- You're talking about back in 2014. We blew them
0: out as how yeah, we but, got in.
1: Yeah, but right, but that's because at that point, um, you know, we I, that was another finicky situation too, where the Big 12 couldn't establish who won the Big 12. They had co-champions that year.
0: My point is this: if Oklahoma comes out for the rest of the season and blows people out like that for the rest of the game. Or for the rest of the season, and they start slowly creeping up the rankings every week because they're blowing people out, and we're barely winning. At the end, dude, there's going to be a conversation. Throws. Right.
1: But Oklahoma's always going to have
0: something over top of us, which is a zero in the loss column. Exactly. So, my point is as so, much as I, I agree with what you're saying, I'm saying that still at this point, how you win matters. It still matters, dude. It, still it, matters.
1: Do, it does. It does. It does. I mean, it, it's still situational depending upon where you're at in the rankings on how I much agree. really is important. But yeah, I agree. It still does.
0: All right. Well, I think we've jabbered on enough about this for, uh, for one week. Um, so, so what's going on is that, um, we're kind of doing a double little podcast here tonight with, uh, you know, kind of the, the reaction from the Penn state game and also the first week CFP. Um, just cause my work hours are just like up in the air this week. It's crazy. So, uh, we probably won't do another episode until this Sunday. Um is the plan so we just kind of wanted to jam all this into one episode so we could talk because I mean dude I'm never gonna pass up a a, a, And you know an opportunity to talk about the cfp ever Right, I could talk for hours about the cfp.
1: Yeah, what we'll do in regards to the Nebraska preview is we'll probably just post some score predictions Um, I mean we don't need to hit on anything more than I think we're both kind of expecting for a big win I know nebraska has Probably been a better team than what their record has shown. I mean, they've played some decent teams pretty close this year. Uh, just haven't been able to pull it out. But I just have. A, I mean, we've kind of had Nebraska's number a lot lately. And I know we do go on the road, but we typically play better on the road. I don't know what is, it is about Ohio State, but we play good on the road.
0: So is this Scott Frost last year?
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: So I think it has to be. I mean, I think he, it does too. I,
1: don't, I, I mean, he's he's had his attempt there, and he's if anything digressed over the last couple of years i mean it, it's just hard i mean ever since they made the, the change to the big 10 you know they've not really been in contention for anything and they've not even had that one outlier year where they're really high ranked and you know given a, a push for the big 10 championship like they've they've been middle to lower into the pack the entire time and you know scott frost has just kind of not been able to get them over the hump so but I'm I'm expecting that game. We'll get some score previews posted on the Facebook page later this week. So if you want to check out um, the Facebook page and see what we're posting for those uh, scores, go ahead and check that out.
0: Yeah. Hey, and uh, thank everybody for uh, for checking out the uh, the video podcast uh, last week, dude. We had a good time doing it. Um, if you caught my Johnsonville um, sausage uh, plugs that I was putting in there, <laughs> I thought that we. Uh, we handled it well. Like I said, we had a lot of fun, man, down there watching the game together and having a few beers and making me look like an a-hole. I mean, that's always fun. But uh, we appreciate everybody that took the time to watch it and uh, and also, you know, comment on Facebook posts and stuff like that. And you know, just 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 keep doing it because we we really do appreciate it.
1: Yeah, we definitely had fun. I know this episode's been a little more somber. We haven't really gotten a chance to loosen up, but this one kind of felt serious. You know, that's it, the CFP. It kind of, I guess, makes everything feel a lot more real. You know, this is like we know we're in the home stretch now. So hopefully we can kind of liven up a little bit on our next episode. Hopefully we're getting to celebrate a big Nebraska win and we can analyze that and then kind of predict where we're going to go from there. So. All you got to do is to check out the next episode. Uh, hopefully, like as Chad said, we'll be recording that Sunday. Hopefully have it out late Sunday night, early Monday. Um, and then if you haven't had a chance to yet, like Chad mentioned, go check out our video one. I know it was the Penn State preview, but you cannot miss Chad talking about those Johnsonville Italian sausages. It's
0: hilarious. Dude, they're juicy. They're I can't say a lot of words. I know I'm going to get in trouble. They're good. <laughs> they're just good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so as always
1: you can always catch these podcasts on all major streaming services we also post them up on youtube even if they're not our video podcasts. they're still up there in case you want to listen to them that way uh we enjoy the support um if you haven't already check out our fan page on facebook give us a like uh, we post a bunch of things on there as well and until next time guys go bucks oh H.